Hello and welcome to the Inside Transportation Podcast, a production of Inside.com. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss transportation trends that you need to know about to stay ahead of the curve. My name is Johan Marino, and I'm the writer of the Inside Transportation and Inside Electric Vehicles newsletters. And today I am joined by two very special guests. One of them has actually joined us on the podcast before, Omar Kazi, who tweets over at Holmar's blog. Uh, thanks for joining me, Omar. Great to be here again. And we have a special guest with us today as well. Her name is K10, and she tweets over at Kristen Netton on Twitter. Um, she's also really informed on what's happening in the EV world and Tesla. So thanks for joining us today, Kristen. Uh, thank you for having me, Johan. Yeah. So Kristen and Omar, um, how are you guys feeling about this week? Because <laughs> so much has happened. Um in the EV kind of zero emissions world um, with what's going on with Nikola. Um, just some general thoughts right off the bat, and then we'll go into both of your personal journeys um, visiting the Nikola factory a few weeks ago. Um, so and any general thoughts to kind of kick off the pod? Uh, we'll start with you, Omar. Yeah, so, I mean, just in general, it's just crazy what's happening in the EV world right now. And what happened with Nikola this week is just, I think, one of the most entertaining stories in all of the EV world. It's just so, so bizarre, such a bizarre and strange story. And in some ways, for a lot of the people who've been following the story, the revelations of this week are very old news. I mean, people have been scratching their heads at this for a long time saying, hey, this doesn't make any sense. But now for the first time, it's in the mainstream. It's on cable news. It's on CNBC. It's on Mad Money. Um, people are talking about it. It's out in the open now. And I think that this may be just the beginning because it wasn't so much about anything that happened, but that people are now turning a skeptical eye. And when you start to look at this story skeptically, it's pretty amazing uh, right. how little makes sense. Yeah. How about you, Kristen? What are some of your thoughts? About Nicola and the EV world? Yes. It's been wild. Um, <laughs> it's interesting just to see, uh, to, to be pulled into this, it appears to be something that's been ongoing for a while now. And um, just to see the shorts um, and some of the critics come out and to see that they've been documenting quite a lot and what they've been keeping up with is is quite fascinating. Yeah, I, like my, my some of my thoughts on this is, obviously I've been observing the EV space for a few years now. And... I don't know if you guys felt this way too when Nikola spacked is that people came out of nowhere to support this company that, you know, I, I was very aware like, okay, this company is spacking, they're going public. It's kind of weird because I haven't really been seeing any progress um, that they've been documenting out in the open, right? A lot of it is just, okay, we're going to be doing this by 2022, 2023, 2021. We're going to be doing this, right? But actually not producing any results, not having any like tangible products out in the open, right? And, you know, it's, it's no different than like a lot of these other EV makers that are out there, right? 
you think about like Lucid or you think about Faraday Future. I mean, all these EVs companies have really just been kind of out there saying that they're going to do things and not really producing. I mean, up until this point, the only EV maker, if we're just talking about dedicated EV makers that has actually produced something um, and has actually lived up to their promises is Tesla, right? And even with Tesla, we saw that they had some production issues initially, some build quality issues, but, you know, they got it right. And now they're kind of, um, you know, enjoying the fruits of their labor, right? And then Nikola Spacks, and everyone just kind of jumps on board and says, okay, this is the next Tesla, right? Why do you think right. that happened, Omar? Like, why do you think, <laughs> you know, people just kind of jumped on Nikola as like the default number two? Is it just because there wasn't really any EV companies out there that were also public? Or, or what are some thoughts there? Well, you know, I think it really is just, it seems almost too stupid to be true. But it's amazing what people will, will fall for, you know, just calling the company Nik- Nikola, right? Nikola Tesla. <laughs> that was the guy's <laughs> name who they invented Tesla after. Right, right. And they go, oh, well, uh, and, you know, keep in mind, Tesla started in 2003, right? Mm-hmm. N- Nikola was founded as Blue Gen Tech in 2012. And then some years after that, they changed their name to Nikola. So by the time they changed their name to Nikola, Tesla was, you know, a well-known thing. They knew exactly what kind of comparison they were going to be drawing in people's minds. And amazingly, you know, it actually works. Like people go, oh, okay, well, Tesla's an electric car company. Nikola is an electric truck company. Okay, it's the next Tesla. And I think they really, you know, managed to capitalize on this stock market fervor where Tesla was running up so high and the sales pitch they made to people, which, you know, is not a logical sales pitch, was that, hey, Tesla's so expensive now. It's $2,000 a share. Nikola is only, you know, $30 a share, right? So it's cheaper Now, of course, anybody who actually knows anything about how to value companies knows that you can't just look at the share price. You need to look at the share price in relation to earnings and, you know, the number of shares and all that. And there's zero earnings, zero revenue, zero product for Nikola, which is crazy. Well, Trevor, well, Trevor actually bought solar panels for $36,000. So that was the only (laughs) revenue. But Trevor has actually made those the were sales fitted on pitch. his home, right? They were like solar panels for his home, or was it for the actual production facility? No, it was for his ranch, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the that's the really crazy thing is that Trevor has actually made this sales pitch that we are we are cheap, we are the next Tesla, and you should buy our stock if you missed out on Tesla. But of course, if you look at the valuation as a multiple of earnings Nikola is actually much more expensive than tesla it's not like getting in on tesla early it's i mean someone actually said Nikola exists to make tesla look cheap Mm. yeah uh any thoughts there Kristen? it's it's fascinating to watch um i think i was reading that bloomberg article earlier and it's and they were stating the details of which partners contributing 
what to the projects has shifted over time and the future of the deal has gotten hazier. And I think that that hits it on the head. Uh, Nicola keeps on stating who they're partnering with or that they're going to be making things, but it's it's everything's elusive. <laughs> right, it keeps yeah. disappearing or moving. Yeah. Um, so you guys have actually been to the Nicola headquarters, um, which is insane because last night Trevor Milton was on Instagram live and he actually shouted you guys out. Um, he shouted Omar out specifically, but he said, hey, I brought out a bunch of Tesla skeptics out to the production facility or out to the headquarters and I had them touring around and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he shouted you out, Omar, and he's like, you know, he said some stuff, <laughs> but he's very fair or whatever. Um, but yeah. why don't you kind of run through the process? Because I think Kristen was the one who was like initially approached by, was it Trevor or was it Nicola PR? Like who kind of arranged this tour? And then if you can give some of your thoughts on what that experience was like, what you learned, what you were kind of surprised by um, your time with Trevor. So the what had happened is Trevor has already done lunches with people talking about Nicola, kind of breaking it down, asking questions. And he puts it out on his Twitter and he had put out, you know, I'll, I'll do a lunch with some people, give me some names of some people. And a bunch of people had just put different people through the EV community's Twitter handles to be um, promoted as people that could go to the lunch. And my name was put in quite a bunch. Um, Omar's was put in quite a bunch. But I guess I, I come to find, you know, he's got his inside team that's looking and scrutinizing who's gonna come and so, uh, they selected me and let me know. I was a little shocked. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go through with it, you know? I'm and like, you were I don't reached know. out by, like, yeah. uh, Nicola PR? Or who was who arranged, like, so, this? Um, so, so Trevor... He the um, tweet, right? Right. He, he, it was all on the Twitter through the tweet, but he stated that he'll have his um, an inside person email us. Um, mm, he had okay. reached out and, and actually uh, DM'd us himself. And so um, I, I from what I'm gathering from Omar, he had already talked somewhat um to trevor on instagram and something about nicola world <laughs> which by the way trevor is super active on instagram which is hilarious yeah i mean oh man <laughs> yeah so i mean i think Kristen probably may not have even gone except i said we have to go because, right, right i mean <laughs> i mean i mean the first thing i knew about nicola was that they were suing tesla for two billion dollars for stealing right, in that patent, you know, uh, lawsuit right yeah. Which is just so ridiculous now that we know that, you know, their truck wasn't even working when they filed the lawsuit. So, you know, they were worried that Tesla was going to destroy their business. That's all. But, you know, so that was kind of the first thing I knew about them. But that was all, you know, you didn't hear about Nikola, you know, doing anything. Everyone was just kind of like, who's this company? Then really around the SPAC did, you know, people start to hear about it. Did it start to get in the media? And I was just hooked from the moment that I first started hearing about this company since Jeff Ubin and, uh, you know, Trevor Milton went on the CNBC and started talking about it. I was just like, wow, this is just, I don't know, something about it. A lot of people were like, oh, why are you talking about this so much? Like, who cares? You know, <laughs> we want to hear about Tesla. We want to hear about Rivian, Lucid. We want to hear about real EVs making, you know, that we might be able to buy. But, you know, my gut, something was just like, there's something so interesting here. It's just <laughs> what they're saying just doesn't make any sense. And it's it was just so just funny. It was humorous to me. 
So I got really into following this story and talking about it with people. And then Trevor said his thing. I'm going to announce some skeptics. I'm going to invite some skeptics over to come to Nikola. So naturally I was like, oh my God, I got to get in this visit. You know, I I really, really want to see what's going on at this company for real, you know, because there's all this stuff people say online, but, you know, I want to see from my own eyes what's really going on there. And so I DM Trevor on Instagram and I was like, hey, Trevor, you know, I really want to come. Uh, we were on this third row podcast, me and Kristen and everything. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can come. But when they fi- when they named the people, they didn't name me. But then I had Kristen ask and say, hey, well, can Omar come with me? You know, we need to uh, work together to, you know, put together material. And so I kind of snuck in that way. And that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? To add to your point, right? Um, because, you know, I've been monitoring Nicola for a few years now. They've mostly been under the radar, but I've always noticed that Trevor Milton has, like, whoever does his PR, I want to hire them if I ever want to get myself out there. Because <laughs> right. he, he is on TV a lot. Like, even before this, like, even before the company went public, he would appear on CNBC and talk about Tesla and how Nikola was going to be a trillion-dollar company, right? And let me just say this. If you know your company is going to be a trillion-dollar company, why would you give away 11% of your company to a competitor, right? right? GM is a competitor to Nikola. Right. Just like, you know, Tesla is a competitor to GM. Right. Why would you give away 11 percent of your company knowing you're going to be a trillion dollar company? Right. Because it, it's just an insane amount. Um, but I guess getting back onto this topic, though, of this Nikola field trip, uh, Kristen, what was it like going through Nikola HQ? And what were some of the questions that were asked by the group of, quote unquote, Tesla skeptics that he invited over? So going to the headquarters, um, it was actually, there was a real headquarters. (laughs) (laughs) Were there solar panels on top of the headquarters though? (laughs) That's the real question now. There were were actually solar panels in the parking lot. This is true. They were like new, they were like newly installed. Uh, One of the companies they're partners with and is an investor in the company, Hanwha, Mm -hmm. who has the right to operate all their hydrogen stations they suppl- they gave the panels and they have panels in their parking lot, uh, you know, generating solar electricity. No hydrogen storage and backup powering the company um, that we could see, uh, as Trevor alluded to in the past. Right, right, right. definitely. Yeah, it, um, going there, um, we just had to, I, what did we do? We like met in some exercise room that they provide for the employees. <laughs> yeah. And, you sign the regular NDAs that any company that you go in, you have to sign. There was a lot of people giving us hubbub, like, why would you sign an NDA? Well, you just don't walk in and tell the CEO, like, you know, F you, and I'm not going <laughs> to sign this, and I'm just going to do what I want. You know, you kind of have to go through the protocol. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of a normal disclaimer. Um, with yeah, through- I mean, actually, a lot of people have kind of had these conspiracy theories that we're not saying things because yeah. we signed some NDA or something like that. It's like... No, I've been saying anything I want to say. I've not felt, you know, held back by this NDA in any way. I felt like it was, you know, pretty standard for when you visit. You know, they make you do something like that. But, I mean, they are kind of litigious. They haven't done anything. And, you know, we haven't been 
so nice all the time. So are are you I, afraid I that Nicola is going to try to take legal action against you? Not that, maybe. No. You ever, are you ever afraid of that? I mean, I guess it's a possibility, but I don't see it as a as a high possibility. And I actually kind of got along well with Trevor. I mean, <laughs> this is the funny <laughs> thing about it, you know. And I don't know how much about how much of this is him trying to you know kind of manipulate people or whatever. But if you meet him, you know you'll like him. And that's very kind of the strange thing about all this. I, I don't think that it it doesn't change my opinion of the company at all but this is i think one of the most interesting parts of the story and what really explains so much of the whole story is just trevor and his personality right right um right for sure yeah i mean i from what i've seen he seems to be like a very engaging person and um he has a fan base on instagram i don't know if you've seen the comments like on his lives people are like you're, you're the goat, man. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's great. But so, Omar, you and, and Trevor are homies now, right? <laughs> Would you say you guys well, are homies or, or, you know, what's your uh, relationship like with uh, Trevor Milton? I mean, I don't think they like everything that I write about their company. But, you know, on a personal level, I like him. And a lot of people especially the anti-Nicola people are just so confused by that. They're like, how can you like this guy? He's a pathological liar, blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, that it has nothing to do with my opinion on the company. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like that's my opinion on the company and I completely agree. And I completely agree about his role in it. But, you know, I don't have anything personal against them. They all seem like, you know, nice people. And... I guess that's the strange kind of duality of it. But I think you can criticize something without it being personal. And I think the criticism is actually more valid if you actually have empathy and try and be fair. That's really what Trevor asked us. He said, look, I have a hidden agenda for why I asked you here. You know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to try and hide it. Obviously, we're calling you here because, you know, so many people have been criticizing us and we wanted to try and, you know, get some some you know win you over basically right uh to our side and have people supporting us um so so you know he was pretty transparent about that um but yeah yeah i mean if, if you really think about it if this company is doing what they're saying they're doing, if they are developing zero emission trucks and zero emission vehicles, I mean, that's great, right? Like, even if you're a Tesla supporter, even if you're a Rivian supporter, even if you work for GM, like, it's just good for our environment if they are creating zero emission transportation, right? Like, right. that that's just what it is, right? But I think what we're all kind of shocked about is, like, yeah, this guy saying all this shit, right? And we don't know if he's really backing it up with results. Um, You know, just like Tesla got the same criticism when they were starting to build vehicles, right? It's like, is this company legit? Are they really doing what they're doing? And, you know, the interesting thing is that I don't necessarily think that they're not doing anything, right? I personally don't Mm -hmm. think that this is like an elaborate scam just to get, you know, investor money. I think it's just that they're trying to be in a very competitive market, a hyper-competitive market, right? Everyone's trying to make an EV. Everyone's, you know, there's even people getting into that commercial, like, 
EV truck space. Um, and, you know, they have to stack up to that. Right. Definitely. And they say, they're saying a bunch of stuff because they want to say like, hey, we're also doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. And I think and this is just my hypothesis. Trevor is saying these things because he's trying to like gain some ground with the media or with investors or whatever it is. Right. He doesn't really think like he just says things and then he's like, okay, then we'll figure it out later. Right. Exactly. And, you know, when it's coming to like the Badger, right? I mean, he's like, oh, we're going to build the Badger. And, you know, maybe he didn't think through like, okay, do we have the resources to do the Badger? Do we have the money to do the Badger? Like, how would we do this? And then it's like, oh, we can have GM make it for us. Right. And that's an out right there. Right. And it's not like it's not rare to see companies outsource vehicles to other automakers right it's a pretty common practice but what i think is the disconnect and why people are a little upset right now is that there's a miscommunication or he's lying about how he's going to get to that point right um but totally going, I, I totally ranted away from what we were talking about. Um, we were talking about your field trip at Nicola HQ. So, Kristen, do you want to kind of jump back into, I think you said you guys were in the exercise room. Right. We were, we met at the beginning, I, I mean, at the front of the headquarters. I mean, it was 114 degrees that day. It was a pretty hot day in right, Phoenix. Yeah. And this is in um, Arizona. This is in Coolidge. Is that the city? Um, so it's actually in Phoenix, Arizona is where the headquarters okay. are. And I believe Coolidge is where the factory is being built. Right. Um, right the field itself which is south of that area um so we just we walked over to the um to the to this exercise room um talked to them and learned that they had brought a whole production team to film us Mm -hmm. and this wasn't just like oh you know we're gonna have a little bit of cameras this is like you know they got the mics they've got a couple different guys on some professional cameras they pulled us aside and asked us um personal questions what we thought about nicola what we thought about Trevor, if we thought he was a scam. So they've been watching our Twitter accounts because, I mean, I think a month before even this event, I was I was relating how I thought what Trevor had been saying kind of sounded a little bit like Elizabeth Holmes if it goes that direction. And I was just joking, but I was I was surprised they even they even would want me in on, on after I was stating things like that. But I I didn't state a whole lot after that because I was afraid I would lose the invite if I decided I wanted to go or not. But um, mm-hmm. from there we right. went and. They started uh, showing us just the, the Nicola Trey, just the big vehicles that they had out in their showroom. Um, and Which were on stilts. Yeah. So what there was literally like little plastic stilts. See? Like, did, you saw the Trey. Uh-huh. Um, what else did you see, like, as far as vehicle goes, or vehicles go? So, <laughs> there was no Trey, okay? This is supposedly their first product they're shipping. And... You know, there was no functioning Nikola tray yeah, yeah. for us to ride in. Did they have a prototype on site? A lot of prototypes. They, they had a <laughs> oh, prototype. So they do have prototypes. Yeah. They had a prototype, but it wasn't clear that it was running on hydrogen. It wasn't a final design. And it wasn't obviously a final drivetrain now that we know they're switching to GMs. So... They told us that the hydrogen had been removed for safety Um, or that they said most of the hydrogen has been removed for safety and the fuel cell output has been limited for safety. So it's like, okay, 
this truck is running on batteries. And, you know, it's not hard to take a battery in an electric motor and drive five miles an hour around the parking lot without a trailer, you know. So And this is the truck I mean, we rode like, in. Right. Yeah. So, they, you know, they gave us a lap around the parking lot. The and truck, this was, so the, was this the tray that they were giving you a ride around? Like the quote unquote no, it was tray? No, it was a Nikola 2 prototype. A Nikola 2 prototype. Okay, yeah, we've gone from yeah. the showroom to getting to going outside to uh, getting a ride on the vehicle, the different vehicle. So wait, I think I think we need to back up a little bit. <laughs> so, yes, yes, please do. <laughs> so here's what happened when we got to Nikola. So I get to Nikola and I'm like, wow, Nikola is a real company. It's here. And, you know, it's a nice office. So they've got a nice big office and, you know, solar panels in the parking lot. They got a lot of Teslas in the parking lot. And so I immediately do a lap around and start taking some pictures. And they said they had the biggest hydrogen station in the world at their HQ. He still says that, too. <laughs> yeah. And I look. As recently and it's as this week, he said that. Yeah. And it's one little fill-up station. It really yeah. is. Okay. No, no production. One little fill-up station. We didn't see it working. And I, I'm like, wow, the biggest hydrogen station in the world. So then I get a text from someone and they say, hey, come inside. We're all in here already. So I say, oh, okay. And I come in and they've just got all these camera crews, like Kristen said. Every minute was filmed. Trevor was mic'd. They had tables that we were going to sit at all pre-mic'd out. And, you know, there were there were people from the production crew coming to change Trevor's battery out, right? <laughs> like on the on the microphone he was wearing on the transmitter. They're like, Trevor, change your battery. And like, you change the battery out. So this was like a Hollywood production, literally. Like that's what it felt like. There was like people with literally with boom mics and like really trying to get this on video, which, you know, was kind of uncomfortable because... Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how do you feel when you think, like, okay, I'm coming out for lunch, right? Because that's right. what yeah. he initially kind of built it yeah. as, you know? Like, I thought like, it was, yeah. okay, let's go out and get lunch. I thought right. it was going to be the picnic table pictures. You know, he has these pictures that he invited people out to lunch, and it's just this casual, carefree, we're going to sit and, like, shoot the breeze and talk about whatever you want. Then we go into, like, this boardroom, and he's got all his head people there, and they're all sitting back yeah. against walls. The whole executive and against- team. Watching us as as Trevor breaks down this highly organized spiel that he's going to go through and they're going to show us these videos and there really didn't allow a lot of time for us to have this kind of casual carefree questioning going on that I expected. You kind of had to like shoot it, you, you know, your question in between right. what they were doing. So it definitely was a lot more high end than I thought it would be. It was quite quite a production like Omar saying. Do you think that kind of restricted like your like personally you were like a little uncomfortable with asking some of those tough questions that you wanted to ask? Like, did that kind of discourage you from from being a little bit more, I guess, real with with Trevor? If it was just like, let's say all of you guys, all the Tesla, you know, Twitter um, folks, which, by the way, they're all doing some amazing work. Like Tesla Joy is is amazing Mm -hmm. person. um, Yeah. Has a lot of great videos. Um, But a lot of the people who joined on that trip. Right. If it was just you guys. And Trevor Milton in a room, no cameras, no nothing on both ends. Right. And you guys could just have an honest conversation. Do you think would you have preferred that versus the like tour and the cameras and the lights and all of that? 
So I well, would have I loved the, the tour. I think the going. cameras were actually off at lunch, by the way. The actual yeah. lunch part when we were eating. Oh, I think so, but I did record it. But, I mean, why don't you go ahead first, Kristen? No, no, no. It's um, I would have loved the tour because I think that was something that, that I wanted to see what was really going on. And there's parts of the tour we couldn't even film. But I would have liked time with him just to shoot the breeze. But... um. There was a nervous energy that that was just moving all the time as if we didn't have time to do that. And I had to give kudos to Omar because he has the ability to just like shoot out that question that, you know, we really wanted to ask. And he just asks it. And and he's good like that. Um, my mind wasn't exactly in the right place that day. But um, we were there for till yeah. like four in the afternoon. And I think we started at 10. So <laughs> there was there was, well, there was I mean, a lot of time there. Yeah. So it was a little bit unexpected, you know, because... I mean, we thought we were coming for lunch, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought, okay, we're going to come to lunch and, you know, talk to the guy and maybe see, you know, he's Buffalo told us we Wild take... Wings, right? Was that the... Yeah. <laughs> that oh, my the God. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it was, it, they just cooked something for us, but, but, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it, it was actually pretty good food. Yeah, it but, was. you know, we thought we were going to take a ride in the truck and it was going to be lunch. And they told us the night before that they were going to be, you know, camera crews filming us for part of it, they said. And, you know, it ended up being pretty much the whole thing. So, you know, we got there and people were on Twitter and stuff saying, oh, is Omar going to fight Trevor? You know, <laughs> this is going to be insane. So funny. And, you know, I, I just kind of laugh at that because like, you know, I'm not going to fight the guy. Like, I may, I may make fun of, you know, I think people really misunderstand. Like, I may make fun of his company, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm going to go there and, you know, punch him in the face. Like, I don't have anything against the guy personally. I, you know, my analysis of his company is just strictly, you know, non-personal at all. So I get there and there's all these camera crews and they go, okay, we need to do a opening interview. And I'm like, okay. So they, they say, hey, a lot of people asked us, you know, a lot of people told us, why would you invite this guy? This, they had a camera pointed at me and they asked me this. It's like a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people told us, why would you invite this guy to Nikola? Why do you think they, they said that? And I said, uh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> um, so it was like kind of strange. They were kind of like putting us on the spot and, uh, it was, it, you know, a lot of people expected it to be an interview that we were going to go and interview Trevor Milton or, you know, that we were going to go, you know, really do something to them, expose them or whatever. But it ended up just being more of a presentation. Like they were giving a presentation to us. And by the time we got to questions at the end, you know, we were really tired. We were like three hours over and we wanted to go home. So it was more of a presentation than anything else, but I'm really uh, glad. Like we got a lot of information out of it and it really helped us figure out what was really going on. Right. And I have to say that, I mean, there is some nice, great people that definitely are working in that company yeah. that were very hospitable and kind. Like, and I don't have anything personal about these people at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what were some of those, you know, what, what did you learn on that trip? Cause oh, Omar kind of mentioned there was a few things you learned what did you learn while you were at Nicola HQ? Um, s- stuff you hadn't read before, stuff that Trevor told you. What were some of those new, you know, lessons or, or you know, some stuff you uh, learned 
long trip. So they did a presentation on the inverter, and that was something that Trevor had really camped on about having their own inverter and their own tech on that. And I hadn't heard a lot about that. That was quite interesting. Um, when they, just some ideas that had gone through my mind when they were showing just, I mean, the capabilities of the semis and the, and the autonomous systems. I mean, Tesla will be doing this, but um, just how, just how old and um, in need of new systems the whole semi the semi industry is needing right now. That was mm-hmm. that was fascinating. Just um, how efficient things will be when they actually get things up to par. And Trevor does know what he's talking about. Whether or not mm-hmm. they are yeah. ready to deliver, I mean, manufacturing at scale is a whole different ballgame. And he knows what is needed. But um, and so that was fascinating when they were showing some of the slides and presentations, which I do have videos of. So. But so is Nikola developing their own autonomous system or are they going to partner with no. someone or like, no. did he say anything about that? They have nothing. They say we're going to, you know, partner with somebody for autonomy, you know, mm-hmm. so they've got nothing. And basically, basically what I learned when I was there, it, it kind of just confirmed everything we know, right. which is that Nikola is just a very early stage startup. I mean, not very, very early stage, but they're at the prototype stage, right? They're pre-revenue, they're pre-product. They, you know, just change the fuel cell provider for their trucks. So that gives you an idea of kind of where they are on the product development roadmap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being an early stage startup. If he came out and he's like, hey, we're developing hydrogen fuel cell technology. We think it could be really promising. We've got some trucks we're hoping to ship in 2023-2024. You know, nobody could really have a problem with that. Everybody would say, well, that's great. You know, I don't personally think hydrogen fuel cells have a future, but it's good that somebody's working on it and trying it Mm -hmm. and doing battery electric trucks too. But that's not what they say. (laughs) They go, you know, I set out to change the world and I did it. It was really great, you know, and that's really what has blown up. Yes. It's not, it's not where they are. Right. I mean, if you've got a prototype truck and it doesn't run yet, but you know, like, like that truck that's running, that was rolling down the hill. Right. So this was one of the famous revelations (laughs) from the Hindenburg report. report. And we'll jump into that in a second too. But yes, tell us, tell us about that. So, I mean, the one of the, you know, so the Hindenburg report, it was this report by short sellers, people, you know, uh, who do this research and then make money if the stock goes down by betting against the stock. So they interviewed a lot of people and uh, from the company to try and figure out kind of some of the background on some of these exaggerations and deceptions. And one of the things they found is that the first video of the truck moving, it was titled Nikola One in Motion. It's like, oh, well, you know, we didn't say it was running. It was in motion, according to the video title. But basically what they did is they found a hill, just the slightest downhill. And they pushed the truck down the hill. You know, truck didn't run, right? (laughs) And (laughs) they took the video and it's really obvious if you watch the video that it, what was happening. But at the time people said, oh, wow, they got their truck running. And, you know, if they had just said, hey, you know, this truck doesn't run, but look, we built this truck out, we designed the whole thing, this is what it's going to look like, and we're working on, you know, getting the drivetrain running now. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. That would have been kind of impressive for a startup. But the fact that they rolled it down a hill to try and pretend it was running totally 
distracted from what they had really accomplished and years later now has blown up in their face. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a company that, uh, you know, at a certain point of this year was valued, had a market cap higher than Ford. <laughs> right. I mean, that that's insane if you think mm-hmm. about that. But let me, let me ask you guys this. What role do you think the media has with this, right? Because when I think about Nicola, I think about how, you know, tech media and some of these other publications have really, um, like, they always use that term. And I think we talked about this, Omar. They always use the term Tesla killer, right? Or they always make an association to Tesla. And then when people read these articles or when they read news, it's like, oh, they're a Tesla killer, right? Oh, I I, I got to invest in this company, right? Like, what do you think is the role of media? And then not just media, but also government. Because if you think about government, um, and this is an example of like Faraday Future, right? Faraday Future signed a deal, I think, in Nevada to build a production facility. And it was like, oh, we're going to have this many jobs. It's going to be great. And we're going to glorify this company because they're creating all of these jobs. The reality is, I mean, there is never, there is no Faraday Future Factory in Nevada today, right? Um, right. And they politicians kind of use that as optics, right? It's like, oh, we're going to, you know, we have this company. We're going to give them a bunch of tax breaks. They're going to create all of these jobs. And then part of that kind of adds some legitimacy to um the company right but is there any thoughts there you guys so i think that's pretty loaded just because i mean you look at the connections with media and who's backing them and then what they benefit from i think um jalapanik was a great example of it when we were investigating and looking to them they they were always slamming tesla with what they would say but come to find you know they're receiving funds from working with other auto dealers or auto the big auto oems and I, I don't know. I, I was doing some research with GM itself. I mean, GM was bailed out back when the economy tanked, what, 2008, 2009? Right. By the government, you know? And that's interesting. And then they started up hydrogen deals and contracts right away, the same year, right after they were bailed out. And even the groups that they were contracting with, I just think it's fascinating when you follow it back. They were invited by, what, the Department of of Energy? And they were backed by them for some different things. So... For as far as media, I just think it, it kind of sticks close to these kind of stories. And you just, I just, it seems like there's a lot of people with um, dual interests as if maybe they have stock in some of the companies and it, and it benefits them. So it's hard to say for me, in my opinion, like things yeah, seem know, pretty convoluted. Like the clickbaity like nature of media as well. Right. Um, we always love a good story. And, and right. I think um, there's also like this idea of having like competition between Nikola and Tesla in the commercial truck space, too. Right. right. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing is that Trevor has made himself so accessible to the media that it's actually kind of turning people, right? Because he's on these shows basically saying some stuff that might not be true, but because he's saying it and he's on a legitimate network and they invite him, then in a way, like these media outlets are kind of endorsing it. And I don't know if you guys feel that same way. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got to pay the bills. They got to put meat on the table, right? And the media business is a tough business. I mean, now anybody can put out anything, right? So how do you compete with that? How do you compete in a world where anybody can put out anything? I mean, a lot of these 
these companies have been struggling with their business models where in the information age where information is free and there's so much of it and information has become a commodity. So everybody knows in the media that you put Tesla in the headline, right? you know, people are going to pay attention and you feed this kind of controversy. But I mean, a lot of them, the first stories were just like, oh, there's a company named Nikola. It's doing an IPO, right? You're not really going to dig, you know, dig in much more than that. Why would you? And then the story is, oh, Nikola stock is going up. And then it's, oh, Nikola stock's going up and, you know, we have access to the chairman and here's what he said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, obviously they, they played a role in helping them push these exaggerations. But what are you really going to expect them to do? Um, you know, there was no reason for them to really look into it. But the media has actually done a pretty, you know, good job once, you know, it took them a little while. And this is kind of the interesting thing about Twitter is you see so many people on Twitter who are ahead of the curve of what you're going to read in the media. And they were really championing this research uh, so much earlier. And then it kind of trickled out in the media. And just now after the Hindenburg report, are you starting to now see, you know, mainstream media starting to really look at this story skeptically and say, wait a minute, Something doesn't add up here. And absolutely. This is, yeah. yeah. This is just the I, beginning of that. I think. I mean, you kind of mentioned that Bloomberg article and we're going to put that in the show notes. Um, it actually came out today by Ed Ludow, I think. Lud- Ludlow. I Ludlow, think Ludlow, yeah. Ludlow. Ludlow. Yeah. He, he wrote it. Um, really interesting stuff. Um, so let's jump into some of the allegations of the Hindenburg report. Cause we, we keep <laughs> briefly <laughs> mentioning it, but let, let's, let's delve in and, and look at some of these claims. Um, so we talked about the the claim of the truck rolling down the hill for like the commercial. Um, but I guess, Kristen, what were some of the claims in the Hindenburg report that you were most surprised by? Um, and were there any that you can think of um, that you can already have a, like a rebuttal or, or something that, you know, is like not necessarily true? Um, any thoughts there? So. The whole truck being pushed down the hill was fascinating to me because there was a quote where Trevor's staying or he's stating that, I mean, when the truck was was first shown on stage, that this isn't just a pusher like a lot of vehicles that they unveil that are just vehicles that don't actually function. This is a fully functional vehicle, which is really incredible. I just think it's I think it's crazy that he actually stated that on stage, knowing that the truck was a pusher. Um, right. Reading the whole article, the. I think it was the H hybrid company that him and his dad started or the DH hybrid company. Yeah, DH hybrid. Yeah. I knew about the blue gen tech. I did some research and uncovered some stuff with that, but the D hybrid was something I didn't know about. And that was fascinating because his father was part of that as well. And even kind of the nepotism with the family in and out through the company was very fascinating. I didn't realize. And he mentioned that his dad lost everything at one point. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate. He told us that. I love the fact that, I mean, I'm not one for not having family being part of things, but it is quite interesting to see um, just how he's sewn different family members in and out of it. And it sounds yeah, like his, his father brother, backed his it. His brother, Travis, is the director of hydrogen production and infrastructure. Right. And last night on, on Instagram Live, he just went off on people who said that his brother wasn't qualified for that position. <laughs> It was actually quite a nice rant. I was so disappointed because wow. I, I thought I was recording it on my phone, and then it turns out I didn't get any of it. Um, so I'm oh really sad I don't have that on record. That's a if bummer. anybody has it, please let us know. Yeah. I need to get on Instagram and watch is, those. This is such a great example, though. Um, 
his rebuttal to the brother because it just it just is such a good example of what Trevor does best and how he kind of responds to these things and how he's been able to you know get through all of this so the Hindenburg report said you know Nikola has this bold plan for hydrogen right They say they're going to build 750 hydrogen fueling stations all across North America. And this is really going to be their competitive advantage. And they're then going to, you know, bundle the trucks with the fuel stations and bundle the trucks with the fuel. You get free fuel with the truck at their stations. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't make sense about this. If you look at what it would cost to produce uh, hydrogen through electrolysis, mm-hmm. it would be the equivalent of about $16 a gallon diesel. Yeah. Right? It's ridiculously expensive. Now, if you make your hydrogen through fossil fuels, steam reformation of natural gas, it's about four times cheaper. Mm-hmm. Making your hydrogen by splitting water through electrolysis is about four times more expensive so that's a real head scratcher there is well hydrogen so expensive how are you going to produce hydrogen uh, in a way that's cheaper than diesel and cheaper than you know battery electric trucks and how are you going to build 750 stations so each of these station costs 20 million dollars to build Right. Whoa, twenty so you, million? That's right. a cra- that's that's even more than the estimate I saw. The estimate I saw was about one million. And even then, if you look at a like a one million dollar no, cost per station, that would be seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> no, John, this is from Trevor's own mouth. He said Really? Ten Yeah. He said wow. ten to twenty million, about fifteen million. You know in reality it's going to be much more than twenty million because they haven't built a single one of these stations yet. So you do the math on $20 million times 750 stations, it's billions of dollars, right? Right. So yeah. it just, it just, anybody who's trying to ana- analyze this logically is like, this does not make any sense, right? Right. You and then have- by comparison, like a supercharger costs about $200,000 to build, right? And uh, like a gas station's about 50000 I think that's the estimate. <laughs> I mean, here's how the supercharging station works. They go out to, you know, Jolene's diner in the middle of nowhere and they go, hey, Jolene, you've got electricity. We're going to come throw in some supercharger hardware in your your parking lot. You pay for the electricity and you're going to really enjoy this because tons of Tesla customers are going to come eat at your diner while they're waiting 30 minutes to charge. Exactly. So it's very easy, right? Because electricity is already everywhere. Now compare that to hydrogen. Hydrogen's nowhere. There is no infrastructure, right? So this is a really, really hard problem that companies have been working on for 50 years, right? That's when GM started working on their hydrogen technology. Yeah, 1967. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's, you know... It's like, wow, you must have a real breakthrough, you know, that you're spending billions of dollars on these hydrogen stations and you're sure you can produce them cost effectively enough that it can compete with battery and diesel. 
And so the Hindenburg report said, well, they've got this amazing hydrogen plan. They must have some really great scientist or engineer on, you know, I mean, someone just who a breakthrough guy who can push this breakthrough technology. Mm-hmm. But it's Trevor's brother. And I think the report said it was his little brother. Trevor mentioned to us that his older brother worked there. So I don't know if it's two brothers. I'm assuming it, it's got to be the same brother. Although he did say he has five siblings. So Yeah, I always thought it's a little interesting that there's like Trevor isn't... Because if you think about Tesla, right? Elon has a background in engineering. Right. He at least has some idea of how this technology works. But Trevor is not a technical CEO, or sorry, not even CEO. He's the president of the company, right? He doesn't chairman. have that technical background, chairman <laughs> of the company. Right. Like he doesn't have that technical background to kind of figure out like, okay, this is what we're going to be doing, right? It is a little bit different than some of these other EV companies, right? But but that's the funny thing is that when you talk to him, he is actually, he, do, he can actually speak kind of technically yeah, he- in a way that kind of impressed me. He has a mechanical background. If I'm correct, him and his father worked with semis for quite a while. So that's mm, I see. as far as. But he's EVs, a salesman. He, oh man, he could sell ice to Eskimos. That's Heck what yes. he is at the heart. <laughs> he's just an amazing salesman. You know, if he had the right product to sell, he could sell the shit out of it. Unfortunately, there is no product. <laughs> well, and he's been. What has he been on the CNG natural gas for a long time? That was one of the things that I wanted to talk more about with him is the blue gen tech is a blue hydrogen. And that was something he was all over for a long time. And I even brought up British Petroleum because back in like 2000, 2001, British Petroleum relabeled themselves to look like they're for natural gas and they're going to be for blue hydrogen. And that's kind of their big push on the world right now. So, I mean, even talking to Trevor, he's fully aware of it. And I'm not I'm pretty sure they're in talks with them about this because Hanwha is also doing this kind of stuff throughout the world these different hydrogen blue hydrogen companies so you'll see a lot of it out of Germany and Japan and yeah, I don't I did think see that in the in the Hindenburg report um Nikola was originally developing the truck to run on natural gas right right and there was this bit where when they did reveal this hydrogen fuel cell truck that he gets he got somebody to stencil H2 on the side of the truck and it was really a CNG truck, right? Right. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how a lot of their executive leadership is from the fossil fuel or steel world. Kathy Wood kind of hinted at that. They're from kind of these old industries. So, you know, kind of interesting to see, you know, them at a renewable energy company. But I mean, it just really kind of shows how, you know, Trevor will deflect this criticism. You know, they were a natural gas company. Uh, They went into hydrogen. Um, Hindenburg report said that was actually because their hydrogen or their natural gas suppliers actually dumped them. And they said that they had to go to hydrogen out of kind of desperation, Hmm. even though they uh, branded it as a kind of zero emission story. Um, So that's kind of interesting, too. Yeah, so let me ask you guys about these deals with Anheuser-Busch and Republic Services. How much revenue do you think the company has actually made through those deals? Because I'm seeing, you know, in the Bloomberg report today, they said that uh, Anheuser-Busch, or Nicola said 
they signed a binding agreement. But it turns out that Anheuser-Busch is actually not required to buy any of those vehicles. So any thoughts on those deals? There are no products and nobody's required to buy anything <laughs> if they don't deliver on the products. You know, no, there's a ton of outs on all of these deals and they don't even have products. I mean, if you look at the garbage truck thing, right, they go, we just signed a huge deal with Republic Garbage, garbage Services on our garbage truck. Hey, wait a minute. What garbage truck? We've never heard about a garbage truck before this. Literally before the day they announced the sale, there was no garbage truck. The garbage truck was created specifically because they were in talks with them as a customer, I think. And then Trevor kind of said, oh, you know, it's a Nicola Trey, but we just, you know, made it a garbage truck. Well, there is no Nicola Trey yet. And it seems like Based on the pictures, the garbage truck looks significantly different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's pretty questionable. And now they're using GM batteries in their Badger. So is their battery electric semi going to be any good? Is it going to be better than, say, the Tesla semi? This all seems very questionable. I mean, I think the first red flag for me when I started looking at Nikola was the fact that they were going to do both battery electric and hydrogen fuel cell mm -hmm. right and and when you're producing vehicles at that scale it just doesn't make a lot of sense to employ two totally different technologies right like tesla is good at one thing which is battery electric vehicles that's it right but if they had also introduced a hydrogen fuel cell division, it, it would just, you know, it, it's not a smart, like, it, like, even me, like, I'm not a business person, but I kind of know, like, huh. <laughs> it kind of really makes you think, like, why wouldn't they just focus on one thing and just be really good at it? But it seems right. like they're just kind of diversifying themselves into all these different areas where it's like, does it even make sense to build a pickup <laughs> truck? Right. Like if they're if they're making commercial semi trucks, why are they also building a pickup truck that, by the way, is also going to be sold to consumers? Right. And then they started talking about like an ATV. Right. right. Like, right. What, what was that about? That Well, I think just growing up in Utah, I think I don't know. There's a lot. of. I mean, Utah is a beautiful state and there's so much outdoor stuff. And we see Trevor. I mean, what does he call himself? Uh, Lake Pal Trevor. Is that what he says on Instagram? Yeah, yeah I think that's, so, that's I mean, his Instagram name. Yeah. Gr growing. I mean, I can tell you that and people don't know this. I was raised in Utah and that was the thing. A lot of guys had their toys and they went and this is what the families wouldn't do on the weekends. They go out and they take their ATVs. They go to the different places and so I think that's probably just something that's part of the lifestyle of Trevor. He wants the ATV and he wants, what is it, the Wave Runner kind of like vehicles and stuff like that. So, And it's so funny if you watch the videos showing off these vehicles because the vehicles don't run at all in the videos. It's like they have the video of the Wave Runner and they show this girl, you know, lowering it into the water. And then the rest of the video is like them eating lunch next to the Wave Runner and it's not running. Yeah, and the music doesn't set with that at all. The music is way too overly the top for it. So, but yeah, but yeah I, I mean, just going back to what Johan just said a minute ago about how hydrogen and electric vehicles don't make sense. I mean, this is just exactly what I talk about when yes. I say that the business is hilarious and doesn't make any sense. Like, if you just think about it for a minute, I mean, they started 
as a natural gas trucking company. That was their pitch, that this is a truck that runs on natural gas. That truck never made it to market. Then they said, we're a hydrogen trucking company. We're zero emissions. We are going to make a truck that runs on hydrogen. That truck never made it to market. And then they sued Tesla for stealing the design with the Tesla Semi. And then after the lawsuit, they said, oh, you know, we're going to make battery electric trucks too. But we're still going to make hydrogen and we're still going to build out these billions of dollars of hydrogen fueling stations and production. I was like, hmm, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, bringing one new drivetrain technology to market is a gargantuan task. You're almost guaranteed to fail with one. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do two? And Trevor goes, well, you know, hydrogen and battery electric don't compete. They actually complement each other. Battery electric is much better under 300 miles, but hydrogen is better over 300 miles. And when you dig into this, it doesn't really make any sense. And of course, they do compete. They don't complement each other. You're not going to buy both. You know, you're going you're going to standardize on one or the other. And the customers are going to look to one or the other technology. Um, And battery technology is just advancing so fast. We're now 10 days away from Tesla's battery day. Mm -hmm. And the the hydrogen trucks aren't shipping until 2023, according to Nikola. So that's the earliest they're going to ship. Yeah, it's kind of outdated technology already. If you think about it, hydrogen is already outdated. (laughs) It's like a dead horse. And with battery technology advancing so fast, it's just getting more and more outdated. By the time they're able to ship these products... They're going to be obsolete by battery advancements. Well, hydrogen just seems like it's the oil industry trying to um, reinvent itself, and right. and I don't. Yeah. I find it fascinating that Trevor even chose the name Nikola. I mean, he he was focusing yeah. on hydrogen all along, and he chooses this name Nikola. And I mean, it it smacks him right next to Tesla in the news. You know, all of a sudden the names are just they're intertwined naturally because of the inventor, but. I agree. So what I've learned is Nicola has a really good graphic designer, Uh a really good (laughs) PR team, um, and they make really good food. They must have a really good chef on on site. It was Rio. What was the name of the group? Rio something. Yeah, it might have been just takeout. So it was it was. Yeah, it was something they bought. It was pretty good. Rio something. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well. Uh, any other thoughts? We should, we should start wrapping this up. We're almost at the hour. Um, but any other thoughts? Anything that you expect in the future? Let, let's let's do a little prediction game. What do you think happens? And by the way, we're recording this on Saturday, September twelfth. The Hindenburg report came out on Thursday, right? right. That was the tenth. Um, stock dipped thirty percent on Friday. Was yeah, that I, sounds I, I right. Correct there, yeah. What do you think happens from now? What, what, what any thoughts? And we can start with Omar and then Kristen. Okay. So, I mean, Nikola just never had a chance from the beginning. It was very clear, and the, you know, the, their first product that they're going to ship in twenty twenty two, the Nikola Tray battery electric truck in North America is going to ship a year after the Tesla Semi, and it's going to be a lot worse. So the writing has been on the wall from the beginning. They never stood a chance. But 
they were able to create a perception in the media that they were a real innovative trucking company at the forefront of zero emissions trucking. And that sustained them in the stock price for a while and made them more valuable than GM and Ford. But now people are starting to realize it. So I think what will happen is it won't be as fast as maybe some of the Nikola Q people are hoping. But people are going to be skeptical from now on. And everything that stayed hidden is going to start coming out. The stock is going to head down fast. And it's more questionable than ever whether they'll ever ship any products at all. Now, they very well could, you know. They could ship products and ship their battery electric truck or their Badger pickup. But they have nothing. They're using GM's tech. There is no universe, no universe, where the Nikola Badger is better than GM's other electric pickup trucks. Mm -hmm. It is. So another thing I would add on top of that is I think they just at some point are just going to run out of money. Because if you think about why a company goes public, they go public to raise money. So there must have been conversations with investors privately before they even made the decision to go you know, public via SPAC with no products. Um, so I think they're just going to run out of money and they're just not going to be able to, to operate or even execute any of these ideas because they're just going to be out of cash. Right. I don't John, know how much cash on hand they have, but earlier this year, they took a PPP loan because yes, they said they would, they would, they said they, said they were, they said, they said they were going to have, they said they were going to have to fire people if they didn't get the loan. So now you start to think for a second, hold on a minute. You've got $0 of revenue. The pandemic affected your revenue. How? Oh, it didn't affect the revenue. Okay. So you were just running out of money. And then they got this $700 million from the SPAC, but they've already committed to give GM $700 million in cash. That's wild. So they gave away all the money they raised already. So they're going to have to go back to the capital market soon to survive. And that might not be so easy. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. I mean, especially after all of these reports. That's what I think is going to happen is just they're just going to run out of cash. And then there's going to be a fire sale at some point. Whatever IP, whatever they do have, it's going to be sold to a competitor. Probably GM. My theory is GM eventually acquires all of Nikola's assets. And it's going to happen before. What are their assets? If they have any assets, if we find out if they have any assets. No, John, um, I mean, they're using all of GM's technology. Right. GM is even designing the upper body of the Badger for them. They're providing the engineering services, which is the only thing that's different from GM's platform. Right. So right. their assets appear to be Photoshop. I mean, before they claim to have drivetrain technology, but... If you're using GM's drivetrain technology, they said it was going to save them money. So basically what they're saying is their drivetrain is worse than GM's. And GM isn't exactly making state-of-the-art 
you know, EV drivetrains to begin with. Mm-hmm. And they'd said they use GM's fuel cell technology, correct, as well? Yeah, that yeah. was really shocking, too. A, a lot of that. The um, battery tech as well. That was quite fascinating. I was shocked to find out that GM has been working on hydrogen tech for 50 years. Yeah, I put that up. And hasn't productized anything. Yeah. So... I, you know, I don't know if um if cause I was reading the Bloomberg article and at the very bottom they had the timeline um because he kind of calculated the timeline but he did write that the the um, Nikola two I believe is also going to use GM's fuel cell technology I I had thought they were just going to use yeah. the fuel cell technology for the for the Badger, Badger. but for the no, two as all well? the trucks all, every yeah. truck yeah. So what are they doing? It's wild. What does GM <laughs> get the, the EV question. credits? That's what they get. <laughs> I mean, they've been saying that they're working on this hydrogen fuel cell technology, but now they've announced a deal with GM. So if they've just announced a deal with GM, now, you know, who knows if they've even received these fuel cells from GM yet to start trying to integrate into their prototypes. So this is yeah. just very, very early stage. You know, but but like I said, I mean, it's it's not uncommon to see automakers collaborate with auto with other automakers on these projects, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Fisker is doing the same thing with the relaunch of Fisker, right? He basically said, yeah, we're not going to have our own production facilities. We're not even going to have our own technology. We're going to license that from Volkswagen. We're working on that, um, and then we're going to have an auto production facility somewhere in I think it's Austria. I forgot the exact company they're partnering with, but they already are making deals with, you know, suppliers, right, to build their cars. So it's not uncommon, but I think what just fascinates me is that the company's basically lying about what they're going to do. I mean, up until this week, they said, we're going to create all our own proprietary technology. Oh, yeah, we're going to have this partnership with Iveco. We're going to have a (laughs) partnership with Bosch. Uh, And then they also said, oh, the most important parts of this vehicle are going to be our work, right? Like everything we're developing is basically the whole vehicle. Right. And now we're learning, wait, they actually might not have anything (laughs) proprietary. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy because the GM deal, the stock shot up because it was like, it shot up 50% because everyone was like, wow, they signed a deal with GM. Then you read the GM deal and it's like they're paying GM $2.8 billion dollars. To build this vehicle and all they literally they took reservations for a photoshop concept sketch they made a concept sketch in photoshop and they put it online and they took reservations and they had nothing zero ability to bring a pickup truck to market that they had drawn and, and he they hasn't to, provided any data on the number of reservations yet right correct the badger? yeah yeah which means it's really on good. Twitter asking. <laughs> They're like, Trevor, how many reservations do you have? And the, by the way, these reservations, is there a deposit required? For some yeah. of them, yeah, there was. The $5,000. The $5,000, wow. $5,000. And this isn't the first time that he's done reservations. I think it was like back 2016, 2017, he's done reservations. And he actually returned the reservations because it didn't go through. So that's, I mean, there's a lot of deferment by him. A lot of talk and then like a lot of backtracking. Right. Yeah, there was like a lawsuit with the CEO, the former CEO, Jonathan Spira. I think that it sounds like there may have been some financial misconduct or something where maybe they said they had more deposits than they had actually collected or something like that. 
that was what the Hindenburg report was kind of implying. Yeah, so they said clearly that they got numbers. Funded. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon for an early stage startup to try to juice numbers to get people mm-hmm. excited about that mm-hmm. company. Um, but Kristen, any any predictions on what's to come uh, for Nicola? So, I think there's a lot. I think like what we're seeing, it's just a lot of talk and a lot of sleight of hand going on. I do. I mean, it would be awesome to see if Nicola actually was a real EV competitor. I think what we're seeing is um, just a lot of prototypes again and a lot of deals that are being made. But I think a lot of people being fooled. It's almost like people feel they're being catfished to a degree. Um, the, the making the production system is hard. Uh, I I think that within a year it's going to be make or break. And I think GM. I think people need to look into that a lot more because I mean people were. I think a few people were even stating on Twitter just GM. GM is as much as they keep on showing that they're for electrical vehicles and even this hydrogen and this fuel cell stuff, it's almost as if they take the technology and then they thwart everybody else's efforts to ever move forward with it. Just the just the deals they have with states, the ability to sell, I think what was it like Tesla's ability? They made they were making laws where people couldn't Tesla couldn't even sell their vehicles in certain states and GM was all over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is pr- yeah, pretty that's dirty. That's a really good point. So do you think there's a possibility that GM did that deal with Nikola just to kill them? Maybe. I don't know. I no. I, I, I think they're getting their EV credits out of it. And I know that GM, I mean, th- this is Bob Lutz's land, right? Was it Mary Barra? This is, I, they know what they're doing. I want, I'm curious to see how Trevor's going to navigate this because they're the bigger shark, you know? So I don't know. I think I have, it's going to be make or break within I think a year. A lot, of, a lot of people are saying this, that it's an embarrassing deal for GM. But you actually look at the deal. They got $700 million cash. Yeah. They got $2 billion of Nikola stock, 11% of the company, for essentially nothing, right? They're just taking their yeah. existing platform and trying to make an upper body that looks like the Photoshop that Nikola has. So, you know, GM is smart. They know that... They're getting a lot of money out of this. And they're trying to make a case, too, that there's a market to license their Ultium battery technology to other companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people have been wanting them to capitalize on this EV fervor. That's what Hindenburg was kind of implying, that this is what it was all about, is that they wanted them to spin out their EV business or find a way to kind of capitalize on this insanity in the stock market. And Nikola was a way for them to do that. Yeah, I was going to say that was one part of the Hindenburg report I didn't necessarily agree with was this idea of GM kind of jumping on the Nikola bandwagon because they were able to like benefit from from this Wall Street interest in EVs. I mean, these deals are usually negotiated for months, right? There's a good chance that GM actually negotiated this deal with Nikola like before the company even went public. Mm -hmm. Um, those are just my thoughts, right. though. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know, necessarily... I, I think this is a killer deal for GM because, like you yeah. said, they're getting all of this cash, all of this stock for nothing. They already have the technology built out. Right. It's not like they're going to dedicate a tremendous amount of resources to, to build a car, right? Because the reality is GM probably knows, like, how many of these badgers are we actually going to be making? Well, GM was probably already know, making 500, cars. 600? Yeah, they were going to do these like, EVs that's anyway. beans in the GM world. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, I mean, they were and, planning and the, on doing an EV already. So this is just, it's fascinating. They just yeah. have someone hand them the money for something they're already planning on doing. And I think a yeah. lot of it was that the, the people from the SPAC were from GM. 
Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm. So for, for people who don't know about this, right? What is this SPAC craze that's happening? Basically, a company will come and they'll go to the you know SEC or whatever and say, hey, we want to take our company public. Oh, what does your company do? Nothing. We do absolutely nothing. We're going to IPO and then we're going to use the money we raised from the IPO to buy another company. So you don't have to go through the scrutiny of the IPO process. You just buy another company and take them public through a reverse IPO that way. So Stephen Gursky and some people from GM had their Vecto IQ SPAC and they merged with Nikola. And you're right, when they thought about the deal to merge with Nikola, they were probably thinking, hey, we could get a good you know, stock price run up from announcing a deal with GM that we could pull off. Oh shit, I didn't know that it was a former GM executive. Wow, They're, that's right. a really good observation. The board yeah. the board yeah. of Nikola is quite fascinating to look in. I mean, Jeffrey Ubin is on the board, and that, yeah. was, that was fascinating. And all their suppliers, yeah. Yeah, Han, Han was and, on the board. And Jeff Ubin has been into some sh- shady stuff in the past. Like, watch the Dirty Money Netflix documentary on him and Valiant. Uh, Valiant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, they were really raising the medicine prices on sick people, some terrible stuff. I think Omar has driven it home on his um, Twitter account before. Like, I am pro EV and I want to see everything go forward. But I mean, just some of the stuff seems a little shady to some people. And I would hate to see people lose their money. There's already some people that have strongly voiced and regretted that they put so much money into the company. So it's good to see everything. Yeah, at the end of the day, the people that lose are the retail investors. True. And everyone mm-hmm. else is going to be solid out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Trevor's going to be okay. The whole company's right. going to be okay. If you have stock in Nikola, I mean, you're going to be okay, like if you work there. Um, but, you know, the people who lose are the retail investors that sunk in all their money thinking that this was going to be the next Tesla. Everyone is going to benefit from it except for the people. Right. And that's that's the problem. And I don't know, like, do you think there's going to be an SEC investigation into all of this? I don't know why there wouldn't be, but I I would think that the SEC is definitely watching them. Which is funny because, you know, Trevor Milton keeps saying we reached out to the SEC. Do you think that's a true statement? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) you know, when someone makes a point of saying something like that, you know, the reason he made a point of saying it is because he knows people are going to assume that, you know, they went to they went to him and he said they were already aware of the allegations when they contacted him. So I assume Hindenburg would have sent their report to the SEC as well. Correct. And he's trying to mask the fact that they're in clarifying discussions with the SEC by saying that, oh, they didn't come to us. We came to them to clarify and to try and go after the shorts. But they're not going to go after the shorts because the SEC likes short sellers because they will do a lot of the research that helps the SEC make these um, enforcement actions. Yeah, I mean, I guess to wrap things up, my final predictions here. Number one. SEC investigation at the end of that investigation they're gonna make Trevor step down as chairman or president or whatever he is um they're gonna run out of cash and then GM's gonna acquire whatever IP if they have any IP they're just gonna acquire it and the company's just gonna go away and dissolve I don't know if you have any final thoughts uh Omar and Kristen 
that sounds that sounds yeah. pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't think anyone is going to acquire them because I don't think they have any significant assets. You know, they don't do anything. They just buy from suppliers. So why not just buy from the same suppliers if you're anybody else? You know, it's a commodity. And final thoughts for the podcast. I mean, every time I talk with you, Joan, I feel like there's you know so much more we could say. We could go on for hours. <laughs> I know, I know. But, and you're so but, fucking smart. Like, <laughs> the shit you put out is amazing. Um, go ahead. No, you're really good, too. And I really recommend to everybody uh, to listen to your podcast. But my final thoughts on this are, you know, a couple of things. So, you know, Trevor is really good at manipulating people. You know, I, f- I felt really bad when I left because I knew in my heart that what I was going to say, I you know, my opinion of the company hadn't changed, but I liked them. And I'm like, oh, man, I feel terrible, you know, because I'm going to have to go out and, you know, if I could have gone out and said, you know, I went to this company and, you know, I was totally wrong. They've got yeah, products. You guys it's faced real. a lot of criticism, too, when you guys right. came back on Twitter and were like, yeah, we actually had a good time, you know, and you, yeah. you faced a lot of blowback from the EV community. Oh, yeah. After that there visit. were there was yeah. people that were saying that we were just kind of pushovers and we weren't I mean, probably not about Omar, <laughs> but that we weren't really true skeptics because we weren't going around saying enough i mean i dropped a lot of how i was uncovering things on nicola left and right but yeah people i mean they really didn't want you to say anything i i feel like people just wanted you just to shut up (laughs) yeah that's one of the big things i would say is that you know trevor is a person who manipulates and pushes out this narrative and all the people who went to nicola with me they're all really smart really skeptical people and Absolutely. it's it's really disappointing to see a lot of people kind of, you know, turn on them and try and blame them. Um, you know, it's just like, just like that note Trevor gave Joy about her dog. He's like, hey, sorry about your dog that passed away, Ginger, and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he did a lot of stuff to basically kind of sell Nicola. And don't blame the people who went i mean one of the people lauren she's like a 20 year old college student you know right and people right. are like ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, they wanted her to expose the nicola fraud it's like come on give us a break like you know she's she's she can't even drink yet at the time that we went to this event <laughs> and pe- people are like oh why are you supporting you know trevor milton and it's like you know it's like that's just the most amazing thing about this story is just his ability to kind of misdirect and just like listening to him, you really had to think and go, wait a minute. You know, he says it so confidently. That's like, who could be so confident about something that just wasn't true that you start to believe it. And then you have to really think and go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. And I think kind of like going back to the brother thing was a good example of that. We started talking about that where you know, his, they're like, well, we must have some great scientists working on the hydrogen stations. Oh, the director of hydrogen production is Trevor's brother. And then he went on the Instagram live and he's like, fuck those people, those assholes. They're trying to say someone's not good enough because he doesn't have a degree. 
let me tell you, someone without a degree is just as good as someone with a degree, okay? And when I posted that video, a lot of people, you know, were actually like, hey, you know what? I agree with him. You don't need a degree, you know? And like that kind of line of argument really appeals to a lot of people. You know, maybe if you know you didn't go to an Ivy League school or you don't have a degree, a lot of people, a lot of smart people don't have degrees. I mean, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, blah, blah, blah. I don't, you know, don't even have to go down listing. But that wasn't the argument. It wasn't about his brother not having the right degrees. Right. It was this hydrogen plan sounds absurd. So you must have real, someone really great working on this breakthrough technology. No, you put your brother on it, right? And, oh, he has construction experience. Well, they're not building any stations yet. Right. And yet he was able to misdirect people away uh, from, from that that argument in the Hindenburg report and try and make it about degrees and get some empathy on his side. So he's very, very skilled at making people like him and getting people over to his side and uh, getting empathy and getting you to like him. And I do like him. And that's kind of the weird duality of the whole thing. And that's really what I think this story is going to come down to at the end of the day. It's not that, you know, there's there's something wrong with Nikola being an early stage startup, but it's just a story about Trevor Milton and just how he sold this company and made it bigger than Ford and GM and then people catching on to the reality of what was really going on. Well, I don't think there's any better way to wrap that. Big thanks to my guest, Omar. And why don't you guys shout out your, your social media or blogs or go ahead. You, you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it's K10, Kristen at 10 on Twitter. Perfect. And for me, you, you can go to wholemars.net or uh, you can follow Whole Mars blog on Twitter. That's our, uh, my friend Scott runs that Twitter account for our Whole Mars blog and you can read everything we write on there. Perfect. These are, you know, two of the smartest people in the EV space. They, they follow everything. So I highly recommend you follow them if you want to stay, you know, on the ahead of the curve when it comes to all of this stuff. Um, like Omar said earlier, if you follow these accounts and a lot of the, um, you know, the people in this Tesla community, a lot of this news when it comes out is already going to sound very old to you. So <laughs> um, thanks guys for uh, joining me today. And that's the wrap on the inside transportation podcast. We'll see you all uh, next week. Take care. <laughs>